Yo, what's up? Welcome to the Movie Newbie. I'm your host, Jabril, and get ready for the show. Just a word of warning, spoilers ahead. Hey, what's up, guys? And we are back again with episode 13. Holy shit, guys. <laughs> We've got so far. I'm so excited. And yeah, so for episode 13, we're going to be doing our last movie in the Pixar theme. And I think it's one of the more, one of the newer ones. Uh, it came out in 2018. It was nominated for uh, for a Best Animated Movie. And we're going to be watching one of my favorite sequels ever. Incredibles 2. Ooh. Yeah. Did not see that coming. I thought it was going to be yeah. like Toy Story 4 or something. Nah, nah. It, well, see, Incredibles 2 lost to Toy Story 4? Oh, no. No, it lost to Into the Spider-Verse. Oh, yeah, um, it did. Indeed. Tough year for animated indeed. films. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Spiteful competition. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Definitely. So, yeah, did you guys watch this movie before? Have you ever seen it? I actually saw it when it was in the cinemas yeah. with, with two friends of mine. Uh, so, yeah, it which... And that was how yeah. I saw the first film when I was a kid as well. Because this sequel came out, what, 14 years after the original? Yeah, I think so. I mean, talk I about so. a, a long-awaited follow-up. But yeah, I saw that in the cinema. Mm. Yeah, same here. I think I think it was in Singapore when I watched it. Really good mm. movie. Um, but yeah, so let's just give a little bit of background, you know. Uh, so it's directed by Brad Bird. He did mm. the first movie, and he also did another very... Awesome Pixar movie, also a huge fan favorite. He did, uh, wow! I, just I believe he wrote Ratatouille. <laughs> I don't know if he. I don't um, know if he uh, directed it. Ratatouille, yeah. Wait, which are you talking about? The Mission Impossible. Oh, really? Film? He did that too. No, Ratatouille. Oh yeah, he did direct Ratatouille, and he directed The Iron Giant as well. Yeah. So he's a bit mm-hmm. of an, a legend in the animated world. Yeah, he did The Iron Giant as because, well. Uh, yeah, he directed Iron Giant, which is like widely seen to be one of the best American animated films made in recent times and then he also worked on the simpsons i think for like i don't know the better part Mm -hmm. of a decade maybe i'm not sure but like Mm. early classic simpsons definitely Mm -hmm. so quite a force quite a force in the animation department for sure and and one that really uh i think kind of revitalized pixar a little bit and 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 it helped um, establish something new to the pixar canon that's superheroes Mm -hmm. i mean it was perhaps inevitably going to come but i'm glad brad Bradbird yeah. introduced. Yeah, that absolutely. To us it's it's going to it was it, you yeah. know it's going to be. Uh, I'm excited to revisit this film and talk about it with you guys later because I wonder if um, like it's interesting thinking about it as a sequel that did take so long to come after the first one when the world has changed so much because of that first film. Because when that first mm. film came out, superhero films were not the massive staple of cinema that they are now. And so when that second film came out. Yeah. It was in a time when we had all been oversaturated with superhero films. But when the first one came out, you know, people's yeah. reaction was like, oh, wow. Like, you know, it's amazing that this is done in animation because they can do what films can't do when it comes to showing, you know, superpowers on screen. Exactly. Exactly. And this was, I think, mm-hmm. around the time of Nolan's Batman trilogy. I think maybe even a little bit before. Yeah, it would, um, would, it would have been the Batman Begins would have come out. 2005 so yeah that's right so so it yeah so so incredibles one came out 2004 then batman 
And then you have, you know, of course, the Marvel movies three years later and the rest is history. And then, at the te- you know, over a decade later, you have Incredibles 2 coming out at a time when, you know, four or five major superhero movies are released every summer. Yeah. You know. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So I'm pretty excited to watch this. I think when I watched this, I was in Singapore. It was a summer. It was like right before my last semester of university. And... um I really, really love the movie. I remember saying it was my favorite movie of that year, yeah. and I don't give a crap about the like the next six months that are coming, you know. Um, and then Into the Spider Verse came out. But anyways, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Raph, what what, was, what are your first first impressions when you first watched it, like back then? Uh, well, the the Incredibles two really took me by surprise. I I came in with with um, some minor uh suspicions because i always have those when i watch a sequel especially a sequel that's uh when the first movie is is so good a sequel is inevitably gonna lack um most of the time but this one really really exceeded expectations i think uh most people were were wondering when it was gonna kick off uh, and, and were, were they gonna start you know 10 years later like how was that gonna be introduced and i'm glad that they stuck to to just you know following up the first film and i was very very surprised but in in a delightful way um and i yeah i'm excited to watch watch it again i think i've seen it three times now wow yeah yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna be very familiar with this one i've seen it quite a Mm. few times yeah Mm. i've i really love this movie and i i can't wait to watch it again um so i guess we can go and get to that and i'll talk to you guys in a bit let's do it all right talk to you soon and we're back. Just watched Incredibles 2. And yeah, it was it was just as good as the first time that I saw it. I really enjoy this movie. I really like it. Um, and I don't know. How about I just throw it to you guys? How about Raph? You start. Uh, yes. I mean, I thought it was uh, a fresh take on, on, on what already has been set up for for the incredibles i didn't think there would be a sequel i when the movie came out in uh back in 2004 is that right is the first one 2004 the first one yeah yeah. Um, first one's 2004 great we don't even we don't need a fact checker I, i got it right um but back in 2004 i didn't think there was any need for a sequel i thought this was a perfect little film uh, it introduced superheroes to the Pixar canon and and Brad Bird as a as a force of, of nature to, to be contended with and, and and what a and what a director and writer to to to, to be put in, in that Pixar library. Um, so I thought it was such such a unique uh, and great premise um, that didn't need any sequels. But then we have The Incredibles two ten years later. I don't know why it took ten years. I haven't uh, fourteen that years. At all. 14, 14 years. years. Yeah, I can. Why did I say it. 10? I don't know. I, I guess I rounded it. Um, <laughs> anyways, so the the fact that a sequel dropped, I was a bit apprehensive at first because with all sequels, you have to be a little apprehensive, especially when the first movie is as good as as good as, as, good as it is. Um, but I was pleasantly surprised um, to to find that it was kind. It harked back to that old uh, 2004 film, now old, I guess, 14 years later. 
Um, and, it, and it reintroduces maybe some new themes, but it still had the essence of The Incredibles, which I loved. So I'm glad they kept that uh, whole and, and kept it driving forward, even if the story um, didn't elevate to, to, to any new heights. Um, I still feel like they brought back the feeling of The Incredibles, which is what I wanted and which, was, it, which is what I like. So those are my thoughts. Hmm. What about you, Ollie? Yeah, um, I just want to say from the outset that I, I had a really good time watching this film. <laughs> you know, I want I want that to be stated on the record before I before I say anything else. I I, I, I had a really fun time watching this film, but um, I have to say that I found the process of watching this film to be a a lot better than thinking about it. I think that I. Uh, Raf mentioned he had some the stories the story didn't necessarily elevate uh, the material to new heights. I think the story just flat out has a lot of problems. There's fantastic, there's all the great parts that you could come to expect from a Pixar film in this. You have uh, fantastic animation, fantastic score, wonderful voice um, work, voice casting work, and then I think on top of that you have some of the best action set pieces that I have seen in recent memory. I mean, we'll talk. We can talk about that later. Mm. But in terms of like the ideas that we're seeing here in this film, I think that okay. So I don't think the sequel is necessarily a soulless cash grab like certain other Pixar sequels are. I don't think that. But at the same time, I don't think it brings anything new to the table in a way that necessarily justifies its existence. I think whatever idea, I think the first film was driven mostly by ideas, which is what made it so special and a novelty factor. And I think with this sequel, the ideas that it has are either kind of muddled and hard to sort of comprehend, they are, or they are out of date, or they are frankly just kind of recycled from the first film. I don't think this film necessarily mm. takes that conversation from the first film and, I don't know, move it forward in any kind of meaningful way. I also think that the film doesn't really deliver on the promise that that final image from the first film kind of set up for us, which was how, what, okay, so now this family is finally together fighting and they're out as superheroes. What is that going to be like? What is it going to be like when a whole family is dedicated to fighting crime together? And mm. instead of seeing that, we just have the family kind of splintered off again. And most of them, frankly, aren't even using their powers for the majority of the film. Which, you know, yeah. on one level is perhaps kind of interesting, but I think was a bit of a shame after, because I rewatched the first film in anticipation of watching this, and watching the Incredibles 2, Incredibles 2 directly afterwards did make, this did stand out for me as a result. So, yeah, I would have to say that while it was very entertaining, this is definitely middle tier uh, Pixar for me. Um, mm. But we can get into more of that later, I suppose. Mm. Well, yeah, so I agree with what both of you are saying. So for me, also, great animation, great score, great casting. Um, but I think I lean more to, to <laughs> Raph, where I think it's there isn't that much bad about the film. Like for me, I think um, the villain was quite weak, kind of, I don't know kind of like just a small thing on the side for the movie where the focus wasn't really there. The focus was mainly on the family, the main characters. So, um, yeah. So I really like that part. Um, and then I also wanted to talk about Brad Bird and how great he is at 
Pixar movies, you know? I think he did a very good job with this one and with countless other animated movies that he's done. Mm. So I guess maybe let's start off with stuff that we agree on. Um, <laughs> what do you guys think of the animation? Uh, I mean, just as kind of unique and brilliant as the first one, obviously, uh, you know, the animation, despite being refined and looking better than ever, it still maintains a quality um, that, that, that 2004 quality of the Incredibles. I'm glad they kept that because unlike other sequels in Pixar's library, like Toy Story, I actually diverted back to liking Toy Story one more than I like Toy Story four animation, because the more realistic it gets, the less, uh, it has that magical touch to it. Um, the less mm. it becomes unique and the more it starts to blend in with the new world or with this world, which, which why would I want to watch animation if I'm, you know, going to look at something that is ex exactly like the new world or uh, why am I saying the new world? Well, I guess because we're entering a new world, I guess after all this COVID, it is going to be a new a world. Whole new uh, world. <laughs> it is that too. Um, a whole new world of animation. No, but yes, what I'm saying is um, I'm glad that they, they kept that quality for, for the Incredibles. They kept the aesthetic, the look, the style and the feel of it whilst, you know, en enhancing uh, better lighting uh, and a more realized environment. So it kind of mixes the old with the new, and I like that. I re I appreciate that they that they still kept the uh, slick aesthetic and the symmetrical and cool animation that that Incredibles has, uh, because it reinforces the '60s artistic choice that they went for. I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it, and it and it still and it still has that you know super spy quality that that Bond essentially that Bond quality that that the Incredibles had, except it was, you know, superheroes instead of super spies. Well, I, I don't know what, you know, necessarily, I don't know for sure what uh, Brad Bird's inspiration was originally, or Pixar Studios' inspiration was for the original Incredibles. But when you watch that film and the the first film in this one, uh, and you're looking at kind of like the general uh, set design and sort of animation style, it does look like kind of like a what you'd imagine like a comic book about superheroes mm. would look like from the 50s or 60s. I think it's clear that the main, the, a lot of the films that come out of Pixar are sort of inspired by what the guys who work there, you know, obsessed over when they were kids or were given when they were kids. And they were all prob probably children of the 50s and 60s and 70s. Mm. So it does kind of look like, yeah, like an old school action serial or TV serial or like cart comic book. And mm. um, and just on you know on, on just to add to that I guess you know what I really liked about the animation in this one is just how well it lends itself to the action in particular, like just from that very opening scene which is fantastic you know the 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 uh, fight with the underminer, mm. like you see that massive um, when the oh bloody hell what is it the digger just like caves the ground underneath the it. Drill. you see that yeah the drill you see that massive whatever it was like town hall or building collapse mm. in sort of an explosion of dust mm. into and i was just thinking mm. wow like to go from where toy story one was to this like the scale the the, yeah. the detail yeah and put together a scene like that that rivals anything that you'd see in a marvel movie to today is um fantastic and also the train sequence and the motorcycle ah oh, so cool i just want to rewatch so that slick. Yeah. yeah yeah so slick yeah dude definitely um the change from toy story one to 
Raph's favorite part about Monster Zinc, the hair. Like one <laughs> scene that stood out to me was um, Mr. Incredible. Damn, I can't remember his actual name. Um, oh, I know. Bob. Bob but Mr. Parr. Incredible. Bob Parr. Yeah, Bob Parr. So when he was, uh, when he had his literally like frazzled look, like trying to take care um, of the baby, and um, you could see like the the threads of his shirt like coming undone and like just the attention to mm. detail of stuff like that like to see from like hair being non-existent in toy story one to to, to uh, monster zinc where you could see like this flowing like new technology i can't remember what it was called um to to this in incredibles 2 it was amazing and um yeah and just in general i thought it was like really sleek like mm. even just the the artistry you know like the way the the incredible oh that's such a mouthful um, <laughs> the incredible is look like is stylized you know it's just ah oh, it was it's so cool like mm. i really really love the animation style in this mm. um and especially yeah those those action scenes, like the motorbike scene where she's like on the trains and stuff. Mm. I thought that was so And like, it was just, um, with the motorcycle, I just loved the idea, like the creativity of it, because the whole idea was basically like, if you're Elastigirl, if your body can be elastic, how would you, what are the creative Mm. ways you could put that to use? And it's like, I know you have a motorcycle that splits apart. So you basically have two wheels and a rubber band and think of all the possibilities you can do with that. And that's Mm. what that set piece is like. So cool. So cool. So cool. Yeah. And also like and the I've train. Always, Sorry, go ahead, Raf. Um, I I've always I've always been so in awe with with what they did with with these particular superhero like superpowers uh, and these particular superheroes, and the the creative ways uh, of using these these super abilities that Dash has, that Violet has, that Mr. Incredible and Elastigirl has. Because a lot of the times you watch a superhero film and you're like, would they really do that with their superpowers? I feel like right now with the Incredibles, you know, they're utilizing these powers in an intelligent way, which is why you're, you're excited about seeing them and why it makes it somewhat believable whilst being extraordinarily unbelievable. Um, because these are these are powers that we've all at least a little bit fantasized over. So it's 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 nice to see them on the big screen and and being used in a in a yeah smart manner, not in a dumb way mm. that's like spoils uh, spoils the action or spoils the story mm. whatsoever. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. for sure. And it's definitely not something that we're used to, especially with the type of super- superheroes we have this for like this era. You know, mm-hmm. we have the Iron Mans and the Captain Americas, but you don't have, like, Elastigirl or... I mean, you know, the, the popular superheroes right now from the movies, you know? Mm-hmm. They're kind of obscure in a way, other than the big names. You know, like, there's Ant-Man and um, Green Lantern, where they're not the first superheroes that you think of. But in Incredibles 2... Like these are, I would say, the classic superhero. I mean, they're powers, basically you know? the Fantastic Being Four, invisible. aren't they? Basically, yeah, yeah. essentially. Yeah. Basically. 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 I remember people Four. were saying yeah. that about the Incredibles <clears throat> when it came out, was that it was the best Fantastic Four movie, not called Fantastic Four. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's still a better Fantastic think, Four it, than any of the Fantastic Four movies that have actually come out. Still, yeah. 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 
they've they've really fucked the Fantastic. They've really Four shit the bed on, on Fantastic they Four. They should have just handed yeah. it over to Brad. Because Fantastic Four is awesome. Like the yeah. comics and the cartoons were awesome. Um, but yeah, maybe mm. for another time. Maybe. Um, yeah. So maybe if we're we're talking about the characters, let's maybe get into storyline a mm-hmm. little bit. Sure. And, um, yeah. In in my opinion, I think it was a very logical step to go to from Incredibles 1 to Incredibles 2. Um, like in Incredibles 1, yes, they also didn't really use their powers very much. And I think that was kind of the message of the story where, you know, it's still the question of should they be legal, illegal? These people are super, even if they don't use their superpowers, you know? it. I feel like that's the message. Like, you are super you can get over things you can overcome things just by being normal you don't actually have to have these superpowers to get over you know your day-to-day job of you know normal people problems Mm -hmm. and that's what i loved about this this movie and that's i think what i like about the dynamic between the people in the family another thing that i really liked was the switch of the gender roles basically Mm -hmm. The mom going out fighting crime and the dad being left alone at home with the children. And I thought, yeah, it's a classic like gender switch. But I think the way that Brad Bird did it was a new kind of take that maybe a younger audience would understand in a better way. Because at the end of the day, this is a Pixar film and this is a PG film. So... Mm. I just um, yeah I just those are most of my thoughts. I mean I I just to to you know tag on from what you were just saying there about the gender the reverse gender role models. I think that I think that was a that was a bit of, bit problematic for me. Not problematic, but I just didn't I just didn't think it felt that timely when it came out in 2018. I think the comedy that it was sort of trying to wring from the idea of a dad struggling to adjust to becoming a stay-at-home dad and also getting over his feelings of incompetency when his wife is going out and essentially bringing home the bacon. Um, I mean, I guess it's always pertinent. I mean, you know, uh, male fragility is always going to be an issue, it seems. But it just felt like the kind of comedy that you'd expect to see from a sitcom in the 90s, in my opinion. So, Mm. um, yeah, I guess it didn't didn't necessarily um, strike me that much, that's all. Yeah. I think, I mean, Ollie's right by, by saying that it, is it timely? Uh, I, I don't really know. This is definitely something that could have been brought into the attention uh, of whoever's viewing this film back in 2004 when they first introduced The Incredibles. But logically, because the first Incredibles was... Um, had more of a focus on Mr. Incredible and his achievements and him being the hero. Logically, it's it's good that Brad Bird decided to switch the the switch it around a little mm. bit and yeah, and have Elastigirl girl point. be the. It, it, I mean, it, it, I don't know where they could have taken Incredibles to, but I'm glad mm-hmm. they chose that path instead of you know keeping at uh, keeping the focus on Mr. Incredible. Yes, logically, you'd have to switch it around in order to in order to make it relevant, but also in order to change, you know, to, 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 to make it, you know what? Yeah. It doesn't have to be, um, the superhero doesn't have to be male, uh, as it always, most always, 
um, is, especially with with Marvel. I mean, yes, they have a canon of of incredible um, superhero females, but I feel like the the main focus is always on on, on the male. So it's nice, and it's a logical switch that Brad Bird um, uh, did with with you know this writing. Mm-hmm. But it's also it, it also helps uh, deconstruct Mister Incredible, uh, put him in his place, and I think he is exactly where he needs mm-hmm. to be, in my opinion. Because Elastic Girl kicks ass. Mm-hmm. I mean, her powers mm-hmm. are crazy good, and 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 yeah. Holly Hunter really carries that character forward. Um, with with her talented voice and her beautiful voice, I love Holly Hunter's voice. I feel like I could listen to it forever. Yeah. Um, and and yeah, Elastic Girl. When you come to think of it, is the logical like <laughs> alpha uh, of the family. Well, she, uh, for, I I like me, how they the yeah I do like how sorry they they point out that from like a risk cost analysis level yeah going ahead with Elastic Girl is a much better option than going ahead with Mister Incredible. Because yeah. his talent is that he's super strong, right? He can smash stuff. Um, just like a brute. And she's, she just makes herself elastic. So she can barely, mm. she barely, she does incredible things without having to cause much damage to the world around her. So, yeah. Mm. Mm. Yeah. So oh. I think, I think that there's that. Um, but I'm, I, I am saying that it's, it's good and it's logical. Um, but it doesn't really do anything to, yeah, take it to new heights. It really does recycle the plot of the first, like you said, Ollie, and kind of just lingers it there and doesn't really do anything to, you know, push it forward. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, they get a rich benefactor uh, with Bob Odenkirk and, and Catherine Keener stepping into play, but they don't even offer anything new. They're just like, we're here with some money to reintroduce that you can do this. Mm. So it's like the first one. It's like the first one with Syndrome. He tried to do that. Yeah, so there's yeah, a I lot did, of like mirroring. I did that find that funny that like the first film is about Mr. Incredible receiving an invitation to get back into being a superhero from a billion, a mysterious billionaire. You see how that plays out. Then the next film picks up right after. <laughs> Another yeah. billionaire comes in and says, "Hey, I found a way to for you guys to be superheroes again." They're like, "Oh, can't see a problem with that." Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, I don't know. know. I didn't just go wrong that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, a little fun fact here about why that might be the case in terms of like storyline and all that kind of stuff <laughs> is um, <laughs> production on both films were kind of shortened. Yes. Oh. Incredibles 2 was actually supposed to come out when Toy Story 4 was supposed to come out. And I think the original movie, there were some issues with production. I'm not exactly sure about the original one, but the second one definitely had issues with production. And they mm-hmm. had to, I think, cut back by like a year, basically. Eight months to a year. Yeah, yeah. I, I think so, which is why I think the story does end up feeling a little bit, the script itself mm-hmm. feels a little bit um, undercooked, as it were. Rushed, mm-hmm. but, um, yeah mm-hmm. yeah so that's just um one of the things like if like imagine if toy story 4 came out that summer and incredibles 2 came out um when toy story 4 was supposed to and i don't know maybe incredibles 2 would have gotten the oscar with a more developed storyline like for me the the worst character was the villain i didn't like the villain at all and mm. i thought the way they did it was a bit boring and predictable and like like you said ollie un- undercooked mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. i think well i think the, the the biggest problem is that so they set up the villain early on 
as the screenslaver, mm-hmm. right? And then mm-hmm. that has problems in and of itself because I think, you know, you, you, okay, so when that character's introduced, you're thinking it's a bit weird that they've got this character that's clearly meant to be intended to be a commentary on 21st century addictions to our phones, to devices. And yet this film seemingly takes place in some pastiche of the 60s. So putting mm-hmm. that aside, you know, well, then then it drops that villain kind of halfway through because it's not meant to be, mm. um, because, it, you know, basically it's just another disguise or a, a ruse essentially for the Catherine Keener character, who is essentially just mm-hmm. another version of the Syndrome, the villain from the first film. Someone who yeah. just basically has some sort of, a poorly sketched out gripe against superheroes and is trying to essentially sap set them up for failure basically on the, in like the public eye so that mm-hmm. they can be made illegal once more. But sorry, mm-hmm. Jaber, you were going to say something there? Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, um, this, the name screen slaver doesn't make sense because it's like a 21st century like thing. Like I guess screensavers didn't really exist in the sixties, <laughs> but, um, I think the 50s and 60s was when like the TVs replaced radios and being in most people's homes. So this is kind of like the 60s equivalent of us being addicted to screens, you know? Like, yeah, sure. At that time, I mean, it's this is like me just playing devil's advocate. No, no, I get it because they do but... say in that what that set piece when like the screens when Elastigirl is searching the city for um, mm-hmm. the screen slaver. And is checking yeah, all the screen. Yeah. I thought that was a really cool sequence, by the way. And I love the voiceover work for the mm. screen slaver. Mm-hmm. But yeah. he's saying, and yeah, he's saying like, you don't play games, you watch game shows. And I suppose, you know, that's mm-hmm. more relevant today, perhaps. But it was certainly would have been a concern for people back around the time that TVs first entered the picture, for sure. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I don't know. I I have qualms with, with the name Screenslaver. I feel like it's such a, a weird mouthful of, of, of two words that don't go together. It sounds like um, some 14 year old's I mean, handle on like COD or something. Uh, yeah. This entire movie. <laughs> like uh, inc- Incredimobile. <laughs> yeah. See, that's okay. I, I, I just feel, yeah, I just had like particular strife for for that name and I just don't feel like it did anything for me um i will say that um i will defend the villain a little bit more by saying that it's i mean it it is good that they use media and screens as the real powers to to wield in in this because in a world where screens are predominantly becoming uh the major addiction for all of us whether it's back in the 60s or, or or now i mean now we've propelled in to new heights where we're even more latched to our screens uh, than ever. But back then, yeah, screens were something to be awed about, something to like, you know, you 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 were had to have one in your living, especially in America. I mean, America romanticized. It was like a status symbol. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yes, it was it, absolutely. It, 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 it was it was something that 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 needed to be in your living room and you needed to watch it whilst you're eating. It's such a passive kind of thing. And I think they played on that passiveness. The fact that anyone can just passively be, you know, addicted and mm. controlled and manipulated by, with, with these screens. So I, I think the idea, the initial, maybe the, the concept was clever. Maybe they didn't take it where, where they wanted it to, or they didn't, um, they maybe lacked uh, a bit of speed to, to carry it to, to something where it could have been really cool. Um, I like the idea. I like the concept, but 
it does fall flat when it's revealed that yeah spoiler alert Catherine Keener's character is 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 the the villain after mm. all and it just falls down to the yeah, just being syndrome all over again just like my heroes I don't like them because they didn't yeah and it was what because family. it was because yeah because their parents died because yeah. And I'm like, the superheroes didn't pick up the phone fast yeah. enough. Like it's, yeah. it's the the origin story is is so you know um, is so stupid. barely yeah, present. It's like so barely mm. explored yeah. that it almost seems like entirely perfunctory to the extent that maybe it's like a, a, a some weird kind of satirical commentary on how mm. um, yeah. it was um, like, predictable these sounded origin like stories a whining child. Yeah, yeah. I did like though the fact that it took these two. You had the siblings, right? And it was kind mm, of like, mm. I felt like you had one sibling, the, each sibling reacted to this childhood trauma in a different way. The brother ends mm -hmm. up like, you know, uh, obsessing and revering superheroes while the sister ends up despising them. And I felt like it was kind of a commentary on how like, the typical Batman origin story, like the idea that, you know, if you lose your parents that early of an age, it can either turn you into a villain or a hero, basically. Mm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Or you live long enough to see yourself become the villain. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I actually um, never thought about that before. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but can we go into a bit of the masculinity complex and relationships in this film? Uh, because we kind of talked about the gender uh, role, be roles being swapped. But I want to focus a bit on Mr. Incredible because obviously Elastigirl steals the show. But there is something intriguing that happened with Mr. Incredible um, that we didn't see in the first because the first he he revelled with his powers. You know, he he was he was the he was the focus. He was the all powerful. You rooted for him, but now it's something a little different. You know, he's questioning his role as a superhero and as a father. You know, he's putting forward the conflict of his masculinity and his powers. And I think, like I said before, I think they placed him exactly where the story needed it to be, um, uh, and, and having to to swap that gender, that gender role was, was specific. And I think it introduces something nice to those characters. It gives it more dyna uh, dynamics. Uh, and it, it also offers uh, Mr. Incredible to spend time with his kids, which I don't think we saw very much in the first. No. Um, so his ego is kind of put on the line, right? And it's stripped and he becomes a better father because of that, right? Because he lets go of his powers, essentially. He lets go of everything he knows to really focus on, yeah, spending time with his family and why not? You know, I think all dads probably need to kind of do that in order to really see what's mm. in front of their eyes. And it's these kids that are going to grow up and they're going to end up, you know, either refuting their dads, either hating their dads or, or cherishing them. Much like, you know, the two mm. siblings that are like, my father, you know, he believed in heroes, so I'm going to love them too. Um, that was my best Bob Odenkirk impression. That was pretty um, good. <laughs> thank you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he, yeah. yeah, so so with Mr. Incredible, he's no longer in the limelight. He's no longer the superhero. Uh, and I think mm. his meltdown, uh, when he gets, when you see him like kind of suffer from exhaustion, kind of sums it all up. So I like that. I like that they did that. I like that they kind of put him secondary, yeah. but also let him have his little, you know, his little rut and his little meltdown and his little yeah. chaos. I, I think because, the little moments. Yeah, I think the best part, though, about um, Mr. Incredible's arc there, I think you make a really good point, is that it's not just that he learns to let go of his powers. He realizes that um, through the character of Edna and his experiences, that being a good dad 
is a superpower that that yeah. basically that like um you are a superhero if you just learn to do the mundane stuff like providing for your kids and being there for your wife because that's like that is like one of the themes of the movie like edna herself says you know yeah. done exactly. properly uh, you know <laughs> parenting is as heroic as what i i can't remember what like, the exact line was but yeah. you know <laughs> but and like fun fact yeah. that was brad bird yeah yeah doing the voice yeah but he basically can you try, is, that, can you try that again, Oli? I I really want I really want to give another go to Edna. <laughs> okay, well let's see if I can actually get the lineup. <laughs> um, and whilst 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 you do that, whilst you get the lineup, and you're gonna like mm. you know have time to rehearse while me and Jabril will go and talk about more about that. Uh, what did you feel? Did you yeah. feel like Mr. Incredible got got a, a good good arc for this one, a better arc than the first, mm. or? You know what? In terms I mean, of relationships, yeah. it just sounded like the, it sounded like the next logical step with his character. In the mm. first movie, he was that absent kind of father. You know, he was out fighting crime. He didn't know when um, Dash was gonna have his. Uh, was it? Is it a running meet? Yes. I, I don't know what you call it. A running meet, yeah. Um, he didn't know things about his kids, and then running in the second meet. movie. He ha- and it sounds like your dinner is trying to make movie. an escape. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Me. <laughs> it sounded so wrong. Um, but yeah, in the second movie, he has to go through figuring out um, the crazy changes of finding out the superpowers of his kid. Yeah. You know, yeah. like I thought that was so great because I was like, oh my god, there's more superpowers. Like, what the hell? But um, yeah. I really like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, like I said earlier, it's the message of the movie in general. It's like you can be normal to solve your problems. Well, that, mm-hmm. I first of all, sorry. Do you guys want to hear my Edna Murphy? Yeah, let's hear it. One more time. Yeah, don't okay. think you can get away with this. Let's yeah. hear it. Okay, okay, okay. Done properly, parenting is a heroic act. <laughs> wow, that was Very great. Good. Holy Bravo. shit. Bravo. Bravo. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Uh, um, all right. Now back to it. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Sorry. I just wanted back to, to, to <laughs> say, what was the last point? I'm, I've forgotten it already, but what were you just? It's uh, the message of the movie. Um, oh, what about parenting being? Oh, oh like you yeah. can be ordinary. Oh, well, yeah. And, okay. Yeah. That's what I, you're absolutely right. But maybe, but maybe just didn't, um, that message wasn't communicated to me personally well enough because mm-hmm. i do think i felt like i so i love the first movie just because of how novel it is but i do feel mm. like the movie asks the questions like should superheroes be legal is this fair is this democratic and then kind of answers with a bit in a, in a slightly mean-spirited way because i actually always felt sorry for the character of syndrome but with a bit of a shrug where it's like <laughs> just let superheroes be su- super and then they kind of revisit the same question again 14 years later and you think maybe their stance on it has evolved a little bit or maybe they're going to interrogate it further and i was you know you'd expect maybe an ending where it's more about you know okay so not everyone gets superpowers or are born with superpowers but some people are super in their own way like for example the Mm -hmm. character the the villain herself the the catherine kina character she's an incredible inventor and if Mm. they had a but she she's just played off as a villain so they've had a if they had a version of like a quote-unquote citizen or civilian who was able to become a superhero themselves despite not mm-hmm. having superpowers, it would feel like a more modern, evolved take on that question. And instead, I, I do think yeah. they are playing with that theme a little bit, Jabril, but I don't think they kind of 
knock it out of the knock it home clearly enough you know that's mm-hmm. just my opinion yeah i completely get you and that just goes back to i guess it being undercooked you know yeah. like you were saying <laughs> like if they just had more time to do things i feel like if they just had more times to do things it would be a much better movie and it would definitely be in my top three for me i mean they had 14 but... years <laughs> yeah it's a well, weird thing he, to say about a movie he, that took 14 said... years to come <laughs> yeah. you know i feel like I they mean... needed a little bit more time at the drawing board <laughs> <laughs> I think you rushed this or, may- <laughs> or maybe, maybe, just maybe they well, did. He went on and did other things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah like, no, he was. He was he never became... even gonna come back to this movie. Yeah, he was like he never even thought it was gonna happen. He became a busy bloke, and I think, uh, I mean, you know, directing one of my favorites, Mission Impossible's mm-hmm. um, Ghost Protocol, which for me is still the standout mm-hmm. in terms of, of of that roster of films. Um, but ultimately I do want us to like ask this question and I know it's a bit of a weird one, but was it necessary for Brad Bird to make this sequel? I know Jabril, you, um, really liked it. It was one of your favorite sequels, um, of all time. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I personally also really liked it. Um, I thought, I thought it's still, held um the the incredibles aura uh even 14 years later and ollie i mean you didn't necessarily like it all at all that much uh in terms of where it took it to the story but was it necessary for us to to see an incredibles 2 sequel was it necessary you know i mean i guess the easy answer would be to say no i don't think that this film is Mm. necessary but it's a really fun movie, really well made. It's a good time at the cinema or, or a good mm. time at home. And, you know, for some people, you could say that would be reason enough for something to be made. Mm. But I just, you know, I think when you're dealing with such a, a wonderful franchise as the original um, Incredibles film, and you've got, you know, you're coming from Pixar, which should be batting at a higher average than most other mm. companies or studios out there, I, I, I do think it it it's maybe it's gonna it, it sort of falls below expectations and so it's just mm. it was just a bit of a disappointment mm. for that reason but mm. you know thing is if i was man if i was eight years old and i went to see this it was probably yeah. become my favorite film of all time instantly yeah mm-hmm. yeah like yeah, i this yeah. would be a film that you you can't wait to show your kids mm. Mm. true definitely true like for me i definitely think like if so thinking before the movie, I was waiting for a sequel, you know? It was like, oh, shit, okay, Toy Story 3. Okay, that means Incredibles 2 has to come out. Mm-hmm. Monsters University? <laughs> okay, sure, <laughs> whatever. Um, and then we just get more and more movies. Cars. I think Cars 2 and... Well, Cars shouldn't even exist as a franchise for me, but... <laughs> Let's put that aside. <laughs> it's called like, Cars. Where the hell it's... is Incredibles 2? Mm-hmm. Well, you know what and the sad truth is about why they chose... Uh, uh, initially, the reason they chose certain films to have sequels was because, I mean, some people might, you know, 
some people at Pixar might say this isn't true, but it's widely suspected that they chose that based on which films sold the most toys. in terms of merchandising. Yeah. Mm. So Cars mm. yeah, had the toys, best yeah. like merchandising sales of any of the mm-hmm. franchises. So they gave that film a sequel. I mean, not surprising. Before. Yeah, I guess not. I guess not. And then I, th- I don't know if that was was the case with Monsters Inc. But um, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. But I remember waiting for Incredibles 2. And then when it did come out and I decided to watch it and I was like, okay, yeah, that's the second villain, you know, um, what's his name? Underminer. <laughs> the, the Underminer. So I was, I, so I was like, hey, that's the next villain, you know. They're going to do some sort of like really cool 14-year gap where they like show like the sequence or whatever. But no, mm. they started off with that villain and he's just like a secondary character you know like he's not even there brushed aside away as well jumps yeah Yeah. brushed aside immediately and i was like Mm. oh shit let's see what this movie has and i i really like that so Mm. um yeah if you asked me before was a second like a second movie needed i would say yes and i would still say yes because i just love the way they did it i really enjoyed it could you see more of it yeah, because this film made a ton so of money. I, I feel like there's room. Yeah, mm. I feel like there's room for it to have a third movie. Um, yeah, I don't see, know. Yeah. I don't know what where it would go. How would how they they'd have to do something really really different. And I don't think they need a third movie. No. Like see, at least is... the my impressions after the first movie was like, oh, there has to be a second. But the way they end the second, I'm like. Uh, I can see how they make a new third movie, but they definitely don't have to make that third mm. movie. Well, yeah, like Ollie said, it made a ton of money, and that's usually a, a prerequisite for, for launching mm. another film, um, which is the commercial mm. world we live in anyways. Uh, but I feel yeah. like with Pixar, they're losing a bit of their touch because of that. They've now become a... Uh, for me, this is my personal opinion, and, I, and many people would disagree um, to all our two viewers out there that might contend to this. But uh, I feel like they're losing their touch because they're valuing quantity more than quality. And just like both of you said, um, they're establishing sequels based on toy prices and toy sales. Um and so is it now becoming a, a, a form where they release a movie and they see how much sales it's made and then if it, you know, booms like mm. Cars, who didn't fucking need three films, but because it's called <clears> Cars <throat> and people love fucking Cars, sorry, I'm swearing a lot here, mm. um, <laughs> that you need to make three of them. Like, why? I, and and, and I want to I, I hold Pixar accountable for some of these entries because mm. unnecessary amount of, of, of creative talent that is that is spewed on screen because of Monsters Inc. universities and Cars 3s and and Finding Dories. Finding Dories, even though I kinda liked it. Um, <laughs> I still I didn't that, watch it. That's the thing as well. They you know they 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 know they have a good team of people that can do a successful mm. sequel without having to be better than the first, and you'll end up liking it anyways because it's like oh it's cute and I like it, <laughs> but um, it, it still doesn't it still doesn't need. There's no need for these, and I, you could say that to any sequel out there. I just feel like Pixar losing the quality 
uh, of the films they 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 once introduced to our shores uh, back in the '90s and early 2000s, and are now mm-hmm. becoming a, a kind of commercialized like let's shit out these fucking animations into the world and see wh- who likes what. You know, Onward. Does anyone mm. like who watched Onward? But anyways, yeah. I don't even know what that That's is. That's my rant. What's Onward? That it's was the just uh, another the, late, the latest Pixar film. Like, I think it was. Uh, it moved early to VOD because of the pandemic. Yeah, it was doomed. Yeah, it was kind of doomed uh, okay, because of COVID. Okay, so yeah, no yeah. one, yeah, no I one saw it. I haven't seen that film, so I can't really judge it fairly. But it does Neither not seem I. like it comes from the same creative well right? that spawned such yeah. classics as Toy Story, as as The Incredibles, as Ratatouille, as as, as mm. even later yeah. films like Inside well, Out. Uh, see now, I think it's because of Disney Plus that there's a need for Netflix level content. Yeah. Which, okay, Disney bought like National Geographic and Fox and Marvel and blah da dee, la da da. But there is not enough content. And I think now they're kind of running thin. And there, I, there's like a huge pressure for them to compete with like Amazon Prime and Netflix, you know? So, mm. um, Hopefully, you know, they get their act together. Like, I think Come Incredibles on, 2 and Toy Story 4 were pretty good. And then, I don't know. Do you, do you see a dip coming? Well, no, no. Because there's a Monsters, Inc. show coming out now as well. Well, there, I don't, you know, I, I, you know, I'm not one of those people that would be massively, who gets massively upset if one of their favorite franchises are kind of, mind and turned into television sub you know inferior television for example like with monsters inc like you know live and let live i suppose people if people are asking for it why not give it to them it doesn't necessarily denigrate the value of the original film um but you just hope that whatever they have to do for disney plus or to keep the shareholders happy that they just every now and then turn out films that reach the standards of their early you know entries use like for every monsters university you get Give me a Coco, you know, or um, give me a an Inside Out or something on the level of a Wally, you know. Yeah, well, mm-hmm. who knows? Maybe now that we've got, you know, we've got The Incredibles two, Toy Story four, you know, a couple of sequels that have been made in the past two years. Maybe their next entry, which is Soul, um, maybe we'll revamp that again, and we'll be the the new Coco. Will be the you know the new single entry that will blow people's minds. I I hope so. I hope so. Yeah. So we'll see. Before we wrap before we wrap up though, how is it that we've made it this far without talking about Jack Jack? Because you know, yeah, Raph, you were yeah. told you were saying it's cute and I can't help but like it. Like the problem is that that is how I feel about Jack Jack. So I was sitting here watching this film, being a a real Scrooge, a real negative Nelly, just kind of like picking holes in the plot. But then whenever Jack-Jack came on screen, I was like, oh, here we go. You know, totally cynical to shove a cute baby character in my face and, and make me think that that's going to, like, make me forget all of the problems I have. And you know what? It totally worked. Like, I just, <laughs> yeah. I, I just love it whenever that character's yeah. on screen and I hate myself for it. <laughs> yeah. I love Jack-Jack. So. But also quite, quite dark. I mean, that fight with the raccoon, I was like, okay, is this funny or is this really dark? <laughs> like when yeah. that raccoon is strapped on the like sunbed 
and it's coming like, you know, the baby's coming like engulfed in flames and is about to yeah. kill this raccoon who is innocently, innocently eating in a garbage can. Like I was like, okay, a little dark, but yeah, I guess this would get laughs, you know? Like I can imagine like, you know, it's with babies. You don't know how babies are going to turn out. Like mm. they could be batshit crazy. And I thought that they did that really well with this baby. Like, well, I think I think a lot of the, so um, I think the 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 you know even though it's a the character's a superhero, Ergo, you know, does not exist in real life. I think that was meant to be a little bit of a commentary about when you're a new parent, you're freaking out mm. all the time because your baby is always trying to kill itself. Basically, <laughs> like whenever you turn yeah. your attention away for two seconds, it's suddenly outdoors fighting with a raccoon. Or, yeah. you know, yeah. like falling from the sky for some reason. I don't know, but, you know. <laughs> so no, it just kind true, of extrapolates true. that. But, like, you know, say now say your infant baby had 43 superpowers. <laughs> what kind of trouble mm. would it get into when you're, you know, you're overtired or you're trying to help your other kid with his maths homework? Yeah. True. For sure. True. So true. All right. I guess we give this a score, shall we? Yeah. I think let's do some ratings. Um, Ollie, you want a final thoughts rating? Uh, sure. Yeah. So I, you know, I think everyone's been subjected to my thoughts in this movie enough by this point. I, I, I still think mm. it's a really entertaining movie. I don't want to end it on a, on a down note. I just think that it's script and themes are too half baked to elevate this project to the heights of some of Pixar's best films. So, you know, is it worthy as a sequel? You know, that depends on your own personal take, but it is definitely a really good time. And, you know, it may be C-level Pixar, but C-level Pixar is basically like B plus by anyone else's standards. So um, <laughs> you can't give it, you know, you can't be too harsh against it. But yeah, I'll give it, I would give it 6.5 tortured raccoons out of 10. <laughs> that poor raccoon man <laughs> that poor raccoon dude that raccoon's gonna have ptsd for he life he didn't know what was coming when he went into that garbage can <laughs> uh what's your score Gabriel? what are your final thoughts um so for me yeah you guys know like i got to choose this movie so you know i really love this um in my opinion it's probably one of the best sequels ever made not just pixar but just movies in general i really really liked it i thought it was a great sequel mm. um i love the trans the transformation of each character um what else did i like oh yeah the the sleek animation really love that mm. uh, well that was a weird brain fart but mm. um yeah i just i heard it it was it was really really good really enjoyed it and for me i'm gonna give it Eight super awesome Incredimobiles. Nice. Out of ten. In Incredimobiles. A fair score. A fair assessment. Yeah. Um, yeah, look, I, I, for my final thoughts, I, I thought I'd come in with more of a joyous um, review for this film, but I was kind of swayed by all these, you know, points. So... <laughs> Uh, Join I, I, me I, I, on I've the gone, dark side. I've, I've gone to the dark side, and now <laughs> I hate the Incredibles. Um, 
No, but I, I, I definitely took in more of your notes about <laughs> about the, uh, the the half the half bakeness of it all. I think that Brad Bird was swift and fast paced in building tension and suspense in these action packed sequences because there are trinklets uh, of of little minutia. Um, moments that you can that you can spot out in in these you know lengthy action sequences, and I thought that that was the strongest um, point in in The Incredibles, and it's also reaffirmed now in The Incredibles too that within these gigantic you know even the first uh, introduction of the action sequences they they have all these little little bits of tension, these little points of tension throughout that I I, I just absolutely enjoy. And it's just sprinkled with with those moments of genuine tension, um, and it keeps us in the edge of our seat. So it's in, in terms of entertainment quality, it's it's definitely just as good as the first, um, without having a story that elevates it to new heights, unfortunately. But the set pieces are a thrilling and stylistic ride, and it keeps that super hero feel of the '60s um, ongoing. Uh, I am. And I will say this is my last note. Uh, very sad that I didn't get to see as much as Dash as as, as I wanted to mm. because he was my favorite character in the first, and he mm-hmm. has, in my opinion, one of the you know best superhero powers out there. So I was sad not to see Dash, but then again, mm. very entertaining. But definitely more um, towards all these um, thoughts on this one. So I've I've succumbed to the dark side, and I will give this film. Mm. Yeah, like seven Jack Jacks out of ten. That was me. That was me turning into the dark side. Is it so? Is it Jack 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 Jack, Jack, Jack? or like seven physical? Oh Jack yeah, Jacks? like Jack 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 Jack. No, it's just Jack uh, Jack 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 Jack. Seven. Lovely. Thank Lovely. You. Well, it was great talking to you guys about this movie. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, same here. Uh, and I guess... I, yeah, I, I didn't. I didn't as much now. <laughs> I don't, well, don't want to watch this movie ever again. <laughs> well, fuck you, rap. <laughs> well, <And> okay. <laughs> anyways, but, but, but before, before we, we wrap this up, you gave me a good... Uh, uh, you gave me a good idea to, to, to come up with a concept about sequels. Since you said this was your favorite sequel uh, and the best mm. in your opinion, maybe we should do a, uh, yeah, a theme of, of, of choosing sequels that are better than the original. But perhaps that's mm. for later. Anyways, wrap us yeah, up, Gabriel. Yeah. I'm no, talking sure. too much. <laughs> All right, wrapping it up. So you guys, don't forget to like, share, subscribe, five stars, comment, review. Go on Apple, the Apple Store. Go on the podcast um, app and give us a rating. Go on Spotify. Hit us with that like. Go on our website, you know, just just check us out. And um, yeah, it was great talking to you guys. And I'll catch you guys soon. Hey guys, if you like the show, don't forget to check us out on Facebook and Instagram. You can find us on both at the Movie Newman. Thanks for listening, guys, and catch you soon.